2: Well hello everyone and welcome to Positive Living and I'm Patricia Raskin. And as always, as I always say, this program is about helping you to turn your obstacles into opportunities and your challenges into solutions. It's about making your dreams come true. And we certainly have no exception. Today is St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. So if you're listening live, you can give us a call at 866-472-5788. We're talking about relationship. We're talking about turning conflict into harmony. What holds a couple together? Why are we afraid of intimacy? And how can we keep our hearts open to one another in the midst of hurt and resentment? In their provocative book, my guest today, Don and Martha Rosenthal, acclaimed workshop leaders and founders of the HeartWorks Center, help couples move through conflict and difficulty toward the love and the trust that is essential to satisfying relationships. Their new book Learning to Love, From Conflict to Lasting Harmony. Welcome, Don and Martha.
3: Thank you so much, Patricia. Good.
2: Well, you know, you obviously walk your talk because you're a married couple who has made your relationship work.
3: Yes. We have been together for 37 years, and we feel that our relationship has been the primary laboratory for all that we teach and we share. I mean, in a sense, we think, how could it be otherwise, (laughs) It's not about theory. So you're not
2: saying all is bliss. You're saying, I assume, we all have things we have to work through in relationships.
4: Yeah, we're saying that certainly in our relationship at the surface, there's harmony and disharmony. But what happens is over time when you do the work, underneath the fluctuations, there's a growing feeling of love that can't be interrupted.
2: Okay. So you mean through it all the love can maintain its strength.
3: That's right, but it takes, we feel, a conscious leap to make a decision to enter into a conscious relationship rather than two people falling blindly in love. Um, We find that most couples have crises somewhere along the way where they either split up and break up or both people willingly decide, well, we, we want to do this, but we You know,
2: I want to bring this up, and I don't want to belabor this point because it's mm-hmm. all over the news, but I want to talk about the Spitzer relationship, for sure. example, and I want to talk at these power couples, power couples where, you know, there is, there's betrayal going on and, you know, in, in a large sense of the word, and not just betrayal to the partner, but betrayal to the family and to the country and to the region. The question is, do you think in those situations that people haven't committed really, they haven't really learned to love, they're just going through the motions? What's your feeling about that? Why this happens? It's
4: it's a complex question. I think uh, what happened to them is extremely common. We see hundreds of cases of it in our lives. Really? What
2: goes wrong, Don?
4: Well, I think what goes wrong is that we were never educated by our parents, or at school, or by our religions, or by our culture, and there were very few wise tribal elders to help us, we weren't educated about how to deal with difficult feelings such as hurt and sadness and resentment and fear. And we weren't taught how to communicate about them. So what happens with most couples is when one person suggests that he or she isn't satisfied and and would like something different, usually what happens is the other one gets defensive, when the other one gets defensive, they don't hear the first person, and that's the breeding ground for resentment. And resentment bounces back and forth, growing as it goes. And when it reaches a certain level, usually something gives, like something explodes. And one of the more common ways that can happen is for one or the other person to have an affair. It's almost like a cry for help. I'm not condoning it, but it's a, it's a sign that things have gotten out of hand and have been growing out of hand for a long, long time.
2: Do you think think it matters that there's power and position, or do you think it doesn't? Do you think think the power and
3: status um, add to this, make it more difficult? I have a feeling that it makes it more difficult because so many people who are in positions of power are emotionally immature, Mm -hmm. and they have not yet learned that power and money and prestige um, and sens- sensual gratification will not sufficiently satisfy and make one happy. I think it's a spiritual issue, but I think it takes going to a whole different level, and those are the couples that we have seen succeed.
2: Yes, that was my, my next question. Um, Don, when, pe- when people come, do they come because they have betrayed each other? Do they come because they're in a good marriage, but they want to make it better? Do they come because they're they're feeling like something's pulling them apart and they want to catch it before it's too late, or all of that?
4: All of the above. A person going for music lessons can be a beginner who doesn't know how to play at all or Mm -hmm. can be someone who's quite good but wants to get still better. And sometimes people wait until there's a huge um, trauma in the relationship before seeking help but sometimes people just feel more as possible and they don't quite know how to reach it.
2: So in your workshops, when you work with people, do you teach them, for example, listening skills? Is that the first thing that you teach them is how do we really listen to each other?
3: That is one of the first things that we teach, and we have a process called open-hearted listening that gets reinforced a few times during the weekend or if we're working privately with a couple. And it involves learning how to set aside your own story temporarily so that you can hear the full emotional reality of your partner. And we do not know how to do this naturally. We are hardwired to For survival and putting forth our own opinions and ideas and our point of view, so it is it takes some work initially to rewire our brain
4: ahead i just like to add that um, mm-hmm. when when your partner comes to you and and tells you i 'm um, really upset by what you said or did, the usual response is to get defensive either. Mm-hmm justify oneself, uh, I had a good reason to do what I didn't, you shouldn't feel that way, or denial, I didn't do it, or withdrawal, I'm out of here, or attack, what? You're even worse. Mm-hmm. And in all those cases, the person can't possibly really hear their partner.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. What about if the person wants to, wants to speak but is really afraid, afraid of, A, rejection, getting the answer or really sharing their feelings that they'll hurt the person or that they'll be rejected themselves. How do you help people talk about those tough issues?
3: Built into this process of open-hearted listening is the agreement that is very hard and fast on the part of the listener that they will not interrupt, that they do validate their partner's feelings, and that they will honor what, what they're hearing. And if they don't do that, then the person who's speaking says, you know, I feel like you're not doing the process, and then mm-hmm. they pick up the pieces. Do
2: you and teach them not to blame when they're explaining?
4: Well, if, it helps to make it safer if you're talking, if you know your partner won't attack you back or or show their own feelings and get hurt or defend themselves. That That makes it safer, but... Implied in your question also is some people are just afraid to give negative feedback, and usually that comes because they don't feel very good about themselves. They don't feel it's okay for them to not like things or put out anger or hurt because they're afraid the other person might leave them uh, or be angry at them. If they did so, mm-hmm. so it's not, it really requires a kind of work in order to be willing to go to places you haven't gone before mm. to
2: stretch. Uh, also a question, Martha, I'll ask you this one. Um, mm-hmm. Also a question is, do you find that sometimes somebody will will want feedback? Let's say you want feedback from your partner about something that's, very deep or very intimate or something. Let's say that uh, physically you're feeling that it is not, um, that there's been withdrawal, but somehow you're afraid to really ask the question because Mm -hmm. you don't want to hear the answer Mm -hmm. or you're hoping that it's not true. So you're trying to figure it out and saying, oh, yeah, but it was really okay last night, so that was hopeful. So I guess I won't bring it up. Those are my questions to you because that, I think, can be a sticky point for somebody to share how they feel.
3: Right. I think it takes some introspection to get to the point where you say to one to yourself, you know, I can't go on living with you know, not being able to speak my full truth and it becomes mm-hmm. too painful mm-hmm. so that you reach a threshold and say I'm going to have to risk this anyhow, or or make the choice. I'm not going to share it, and I'm just going to pull back myself. And then that it's creates hard a when relationship. you get
2: mixed messages from your partner. Don, you know, when the partner one day it's up and one day it's down. So you, 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 you really don't know. It's it's mixed.
4: Well, um, I think if you're getting mixed messages, there needs to be the capacity to communicate clearly and honestly, which requires one person to be willing to listen and the other person to be willing to put out their truth. Often people don't put out their truth because they don't feel safe and people don't listen for the same reason. So by learning how to communicate, maybe starting with less loaded issues, by learning how not to be defensive, by learning how to validate your partner's feeling, you can create a feeling gradually of greater safety where before none existed. And then the issues that you're talking about that are really difficult require that safety mm-hmm.
3: yeah i'm also thinking when you said you know you're getting mixed messages that i think if you can back up and go into a quiet space and ask yourself what is most real here often what is most real is what's hardest to face that maybe there's what what you're seeing in, in the high spaces is not as real as the negativity that's being pushed aside.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're talking to Don and Martha Rosenthal, acclaimed workshop leaders and founders of the HeartWork Center, who help, help couples move through conflict and difficulty toward the love and trust essential to satisfying relationships. They are the co-authors of Learning to Love, From Conflict to Lasting Harmony, Folks, you can give us a call if you're listening live on March 17th on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern or 11 a.m. Pacific. You can call us at 866-472-5788. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with Attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday, at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with Attorney Tom Woodruff.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
2: everyone. We are back. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And as I always say, this program, Positive Living, is about turning your problems into solutions and your obstacles into opportunities. And if you're calling today or if you're listening live on March 17th at between 11 and 12 noon Pacific and 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern, you can call us at 866-472-5788. We are talking about relationship. We're talking about what holds a couple together why we're often afraid of intimacy and how we can keep our hearts open to each other even when we're hurt and we have resentment. My guests are Don and Martha Rosenthal, acclaimed workshop leaders and founders of the Heartwork Center, and their book is Learning to Love, From Conflict to Lasting Harmony. Welcome back, Don and Martha. Thank,
3: Thank you. So you know,
2: I was telling you during the break that my parents, my mother just passed, but my parents were married 63 years. My dad That's is 91 now. She just wonderful. passed two months ago, and he's, wow. he's sad. Very sad yeah. because they were so close. But my question to you is, you know, that's a long marriage. You don't see that so much today. What holds couples together?
4: Well, <laughs> when, in the old days what used to hold couples together was <clears throat> economic necessity and social pressure. And then, you know, starting around the 60s, I think, what held couples together was just the, each one desiring um, emotional and sexual turn-on. That was a very poor glue. It didn't work. And so, in a sense, what we're looking for now is something else to hold couples together besides economic necessity and the desire for pleasure and gratification. And Martha and I claim that the very best thing we've ever found is some kind of a shared spiritual vision Mm -hmm. to be allies on a journey uh, where each person is trying to become the very finest and highest and best version of who they are. Uh.
2: How important is chemistry?
3: Well, I think at some level, um, we we have many many soulmates out there in the world. We've known people hither and yon, um, and I think there's got to be some spark in the beginning that attracts. Each other, and I don't think it's totally sexual. I think there's a recognition of each other as a soul, and um, I don't think it's just one person. But I think once you set your sight on having a deep relationship with with one person, that it's really, really helpful to do everything you can to develop it to its fullest. We, our contention is that so many people stop short when the conflict starts hitting. A
2: fan. So you're and saying
4: usually there is chemistry in the beginning. I think chemistry I think. plays a role, but I also think chemistry can, can uh, be confused with uh, lust and infatu- <coughs> infatuation. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, how high the high moments are at the beginning is an extremely
2: that there's more that that holds this together, and you think a lot of it has to do with the common spiritual purpose.
4: Well, we think that's a very good glue, because when you have a common spiritual purpose, then the difficulties, the upsets, the the difficult moments are used in the service of shining a light on what we both need to learn uh, to move forward, and therefore they're not regrettable, and they're not... uh, Uh, a way of blaming each other for not being enough.
3: And without a shared purpose together, I think as I mentioned before, when deep conflict arises, people often think, well, we can't get together or we're not aligned enough or we're so different. Mm -hmm. And this shows that, this proves that, whereas most people just have not learned what it takes to give it their best shot.
2: You know, um, a lot of, there are a lot of marriages that are very religious. I'm thinking of um, whether it's, you know, very spiritual or religious marriages, religious sex, whether it's Orthodox Judaism or whether it's very strong Roman Catholic. But there are certain sects where the family and the relationship and the spirituality and the religion is everything. And the divorce rate is very low. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of a testimony of what you're saying regarding the common purpose and bond and how important that is.
3: Yes, absolutely. That um, when, when people are united in a relationship that includes what we call the spirit of the relationship, there's something larger binding them mm-hmm. together um, from which they create a home and perhaps a family, then it seems much more inconceivable to want to break up that bond.
2: How do you deal with anger in the relationship? Oh, what boy. do you do with the anger? I that's the biggie. could anger. spend the whole
4: hour on that question, but just briefly, there's two branches to the tree. One branch is the psychological branch. In other words, given that anger is part of the human consciousness, and we will get angry sometimes, how to deal with it responsibly and cleanly so that even though we get angry, we don't express it in a way that's disrespectful to the other person. Not only do we not hit physically, but we don't hit with words. We don't attack. But the other branch of the tree is, how can we learn to stop getting angry so much? How can we learn to transcend anger? And it isn't done by just saying, thou shalt not be angry, or it isn't spiritual to be angry. It's done by a deep investigation of the beliefs and attitudes and assumptions that give rise to the anger.
3: We had a lot of anger. So, how do you deal with that
2: then? That—that's, I mean, once we get that, you know, what do we do with it? What do we do when it's all bottled up inside of us?
3: Well, there's there's several approaches. Um, Don and I learned not to bring what wasn't working to each other in the heat of our anger. To take time out and cool down. And one of the ways of cooling down is through physical exercise, writing in a journal, talking to a friend, or just simply being with oneself in a um, sitting, sitting quiet without moving and just letting the temperature gauge go down. But if we bring it to our partner in the heat of that, it is just about doomed to failure in terms of if you're wanting to be heard. Once we cool down, then we can employ open-hearted listening to bring to each other the areas of each other's unconsciousness that's well, impacting isn't, isn't
2: under anger often fear?
4: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Certainly. Although anger can also be, at its best, anger is a uh, no. In other words, I, I no. tell you nicely, please don't do that, and you ignore me, and then I say, hey, I mean it, don't do that, and you still ignore me, then... Getting fierce might be an absolutely appropriate response, but most people, when they get angry, they tend to attack their partner, and it's the it's the what we're interested in is the expression of the feeling without the attack and blame component.
3: Yeah, and when that that energy is there, we call it our fire, our our, our red energy. The Sufis call it the red energy, um, and anger we usually associate with blame and attack. So we're learning how to talk to our partners, saying, you know, that really didn't work for me, or I hated it when you da 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 da, without demeaning their character. Right.
2: right. Because if you have enough of that in a relationship, doesn't it really erode it? I and mean, can't that really be the, you know, can't that put the the flame out?
4: I think. I think any relationship can only hold a certain concentration of negative energy, mm. and. The two mistakes are being negative a lot and, as you say, putting the flame out. The other mistake is uh, stuffing and and repressing the, the negative energy so that it accumulates in the, somewhere in the body of the relationship and leaks out sideways or explodes one day in an affair or just leaving. So
2: you think that, going back to that word when you said it, affair, you think that affairs usually are symptoms of an issue in your own relationship that's not resolved.
3: More frequently than not, yes. I think if there were truly clear, clear, open communication that that's not the breeding ground for affairs. I think one of the strongest factors in people having affairs, is thinking that they are going to get something from being with this other person that they haven't been able to find, not from their partner, but from within themselves. I think it's placing the focus of deriving, getting from the outside, something that can only come from the inside.
4: I would add to that that... um one of, I've, I've often asked myself, what's the main source of resenting my partner? And I think it is expecting them to make me happy by loving me all the time. And I think, I think nobody, nobody should have that job. Nobody can have that job. It's not someone else's uh, responsibility to make me happy. That needs to come from within. But to the extent I believe it's my partner's responsibility to make me happy, I will absolutely... Uh, without question, end up resenting them because they can't do it. Right.
2: So happiness, is, as we know, is an inside job.
4: Well, people, people say so that. Isn't that why, isn't really that why
2: it? so many people have pets? I mean, think about it. I mean, we've exploded with pets in our culture, and I think, you know, because the pets are unconditionally loving. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, dogs, anyway. My cat is often aloof. And I'll offer her love, and she walks away in a huff, but I don't mind
2: uh-huh. But but uh, I'm getting back to that point. although don't you think it's a challenge with us humans to always be
3: unconditionally
4: loving? I don't know anyone who can do it. Oh,
3: I think that's what we're here to work on, and that's when two people align themselves with this spiritual purpose and they say, I would like to be as unconditionally loving as I can, then that's enough grounds for overlap to create a relationship. But there's got to be plenty of room for falling short of that because we're all works in progress. Mm
2: -hmm. So we can't expect ourselves to be perfect is what you're saying. No. Okay. Tell us about how people can find out about your work and your
4: workshops. We have a website uh, which is called awakeningtogether.com. And it has all the information about our work in it.
2: And also uh, heartworkcenter.org?
3: Yeah. And also heartworkcenter.org. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah.
2: And the other one is awakeningtogether.com.
4: Awakeningtogether.com.
2: Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk talk more to Don, Don and Martha Rosenthal about their book, about their work, about how can we... How can we go from conflict to harmony? How can we really learn to love? How can we repair damage in our relationships? How can we get closer to the one that we love? How can we hold ourselves together? And why are we often afraid of intimacy? So if you have any of these questions, you can call us at Voice America if you're listening on March 17th, which is Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern or 11 a.m. Pacific at 866-472-5788. Again, my guests are relationship experts and married couple, Don and Martha Rosenthal. Their book is Learning to Love from a Conflict to Lasting Harmony and AwakeningTheheart.com, correct? Uh, okay. Awakening, Awakening Together. Together. Awakening or HeartworkCenter.org. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned, we'll be
0: right back.
5: as well as the newest winemakers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where Women & Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women & Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women & Wine, enjoying life one sip at
1: a time. I can take care of myself.
6: What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili. Radio to thrive by. News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
0: VoiceAmerica.com.
2: Hi, everyone. We are back. We're sorry if we had any glitches technically. We may have been on the air when we shouldn't have been on the air. But we are now back professionally, and this is Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And what we're talking about today is Relationships, Learning to Love, From Conflict to Lasting Harmony, written by Don and Martha Rosenthal, who are relationship experts. And they—they uh, really, their book is based on nearly two decades of highly successful couples' workshops as well as on their own 35 years of committed partnership. And it's really a a rare combination of timeless wisdom and practical guidance. They are also acclaimed workshop leaders and founders of the Heartwork Center, and they help couples move through conflict and difficulty toward love. Okay, um, question. That is, how do you help couples move from conflict to love when they've shut the door, and they've their heart. how do you get them to open it
4: up again? Well, this is the central question. I think that one of the most important realizations is when I ask myself, who causes my suffering? Who causes my pain? And you know, some people who are interested in New Age things or spiritual pursuits will say, oh, I'm responsible for my own consciousness. But I don't think we believe that for an instant. Because if I thought I was responsible for my, the state of my consciousness, I would have no cause to resent my partner. So deep down, the reason we resent our partner and close our heart to them is because we think they are the ones who caused us suffering. And I think um, in order to begin to move away from that, we have to be willing to look at ourselves and challenge the notion that another person has the power, as an adult, to make us feel bad
3: that we have to realize that we have the internal mechanism as to whether our heart is open or closed, and we close it, even though we might not be aware or conscious in that moment that we're doing it, that we're giving the power back to ourselves. And saying by reexamining whether when my partner um, did something uh, that I didn't like, is that really a uh, reason for me to close them out of my heart, out of my life. And essentially you're saying when we close our heart that um, we don't want them alive.
4: You're bad. You don't deserve love. And we do, do you, it much more often than we think.
3: Do you help couples
2: work through the process when they really have decided they can't make it together anymore? So yeah, we, yes, we, we do.
4: We, we look to see if there's a, a little ray of hope, and if so, we, we explore that. But if if it's really clear they don't want to be together, we don't try to convince them otherwise.
2: Do you but help we do them work through that process so they can at least have some love in their hearts and, um, you know, remain friends?
3: People need to be shown that they have a choice of how they proceed in their lives. And especially when there is an investment with children, we say it's really to your best interest to take a look to see whether your partner deserves your condemnation for the rest of your life. But even irregardless with no children... Um, it's, it's when we shut our heart to somebody else, we're closing it to ourselves, and it hurts.
2: So, and, but we might, and then we're closing it for future relationships. Is
3: that that's right? That's right. That's right. But we, we numb ourselves out and say, oh, it doesn't
4: matter if I close
3: my heart. Here. How damaging
2: is an affair? Can people repair their relationships and go on after an affair?
4: Yes. We've seen many couples where the... It's kind of... It's analogous to a person who isn't taking care of his or her body and gets a serious disease, which is a wake-up call. And some people actually change their habits and attitudes and diet and so on after disease and, and, and become healthy again and live a long time. Like a wake-up
2: well, like call for some people, not for everybody. No. no.
4: no. And, some, yeah. and, and an affair is a wake-up call. Right. We've seen quite a few relationships that survive, but it really required a change a fundamental shift in perspective, often on the part of both people.
3: Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Often How important we... is self-love in all this? Is really caring about yourself and knowing that you're the person that has to make you
3: happy first. It's crucial. I mean, it's vital. It's at the apex of of being able, being capable of loving another person and being willing to receive it because if we feel we're not deserving of our own self-love how can we ask another person and usually vibrationally they won't even be attracted to us for we're putting out that message
4: I'd also say that when I look at all the things that go wrong in relationship so often they're traceable to me disrespecting myself for example not having good boundaries uh, mm-hmm. comes from a lack of self-love yeah. not asking for what I want um, and then being, being really resentful sensitive. when
2: the person doesn't give it to you.
4: Yes. Easily getting offended or hurt when given feedback comes from a lack of self-love, um, taking offense. Um, and also, as Martha said, the type of person I, I think being kind to myself and wishing myself well is the single greatest factor in attracting a suitable partner.
3: But to go back to your question about affairs, um, we were recently with a couple and when we talked about needing both people needing to make an incredible shift to be able to continue, uh, we saw in the man that he needed to realize that he had been unconscious when he was going outside the relationship and that he was really in a desperate place. He felt overworked. He hadn't given time to his wife, his family, and he just went out on a limb. And with her, she needed to do work to realize her own deservingness and to start whittling away at some of the guilt places within herself.
2: Mm. Do you think that part of the danger zone comes when you're so busy that you have no time for each other?
3: Is oh, that absolutely. kind of a
2: warning?
4: Oh, that, That's a t- profound warning. Profound. We, we get people all the time who come and say, uh, when we ask them, do you spend regular time together to nourish your relationship, they say, no, because we don't have the time. And I interpret that as we don't want to, because it's my observation that whatever is important in a person's life, he or she always makes time for that. And Mm -hmm. the longer you stay away from each other intimately, the harder it is to come together. There's fear if we came together, we'd open Pandora's box. We find we don't love each other. We find we have nothing to say to each other. Sexual issues might arise. And as a result, we avoid relationship and then uh, blind ourselves with the excuse that we don't have time. But I don't buy that.
2: Hmm. We have a few minutes before break. Let's move over to something a little bit different, but it's about relationships. That's the whole dating world particularly for people who are midlife, older. They were married for a long time or they had more than one marriage and now they're in their 50s or 60s and they're out there. It's a whole new world. Comments about that.
4: Well, um, first of all, I think that um, being older and wiser and having seen what doesn't work, um, you can have higher standards not in the sense of wanting someone who's just ravishingly beautiful or uh, um, who's impossibly successful or is perfect, but rather what, what you might be looking for is someone who's able with you to look at your imperfections and talk about them and be open to feedback, be capable of listening. And um, uh, I, think, I think how you deal with the difficulties will uh, affect the chances of success more than how high the high moments are.
3: Yeah, I would like to highlight that it seems like a wonderful opportunity when you're older and you've been through relationship to reassess what is it that I'm really looking for in a relationship and probably will contrast with what wasn't happening before in relationships, so you're much more clear about your goals, and that's in your vibrational field, so you're much more likely to attract to you somebody who really is more aligned. It's, it's an ch- opportunity for much greater fine-tuning.
2: Mm-hmm. And if you start attracting some of the old patterns, you see that more quickly because Absolutely. you start to see, see, yeah. this is what I had before, and I don't think I want that again.
3: Right, or I relate to it differently with more um, compassion, which gives it more opportunity to leave gracefully.
4: Or I have uh, more efficient and better boundaries, so I make it very clear what is acceptable and what isn't right at the start. Yeah.
2: So you have a lot of real hope. You think there's a real positive piece to this when you're dating at an older age because you're saying you have more wisdom.
3: Absolutely. I think, um, boy, if I, <laughs> if I had started, you know, in my 20s with what I know now, I would be much closer to enlightenment. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think this is a very rich time for people where you're, you can be much more selective, and yet the richness of both of your lives can intertwine in just a wonderful way.
4: I would add one thing, that if I'm needy, if I'm attached to to the need for a relationship and, and believing that I can't be happy without it, then that very quality mm-hmm. is going to get in the way. Because when someone comes to you who's needy, usually what happens is you find yourself backing off. So mm-hmm. I can want it, but it's best if I'm not attached to it.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. Meaning, I know this that I would be, I would love to be in relationship. But that I can be whole on my own by myself.
3: Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's right.
2: All right, we're going to take a break. My guests today are Don and Martha Rosenthal, acclaimed workshop leaders and founders of the Heartwork Center. And their new book is Learning to Love from Conflict to Lasting Harmony. And again, your website is Awakening Together.
4: Awakening together.
2: AwakeningTogether.com. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah.
5: Wine & Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest winemakers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where Women & Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women & Wine broadcast each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women & Wine, enjoying life, one sip at a
6: time. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, with The Doctor Pat Show with Doctor Pat Vasily. Radio to thrive by. News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerican.com.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are
2: listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. There's still time to call in if you're listening on March 17th on Monday between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and between 11 and noon Pacific. And that number is 866-472-5788. My guests today are Don and Martha Rosenthal, acclaimed workshop leaders and founders of the Hard Work Center. They help couples move through conflict and difficulty toward the love and trust essential to satisfying relationships. This is based on nearly two decades of highly successful couples workshops that they lead and their own thirty five year relationship as committed partners. And their book is Learning to Love from Conflict to Lasting Harmony. Welcome back, Don and Martha.
3: Thank you. Thank hey,
2: you. talk about intimacy. What do you mean about how intimacy can bring you closer? What is the intimacy piece in this?
4: Well, um, you know, when I was a young man, I thought of intimacy as good sex or sitting in a romantic place and telling each other tales. But to me now, intimacy means a quality of energy between two people who are aware of themselves and of each other and of the, of the we as well as the, the me, and and um, when there's no blame or judgment in the way. And I would say it takes place now, in the moment now, when, when I don't want to something from the other person, but I'm open to just seeing what happens between us. Intimacy can be when you're talking, when you're being physical, or in silence.
3: I think also intimacy in a couple stems primarily the capacity to be intimate in a couple from intimacy with oneself. I think to have intimacy with oneself means that I, I can't imagine that happening without spending some time alone in solitude not in a lonely kind of way at all, but in a very full, rich way of experiencing my whole being. And one of the ways that that can happen is through meditation, spending time in nature, taking walks, um, choosing to not be in relationship all the time.
4: Yeah, Martha and I take some of our vacations together and some of them alone. and We each encourage the other to spend time do you
2: find that when you come back from your vacations that you're that it's even better between you because you've been away from each other?
4: Oh
3: yes, 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 very much. Distance does make the heart grow fonder. Mm-hmm. It's
4: true. We have some. Mm-hmm. We have something new to bring to the relationship instead of what Thoreau said is the same old stale piece of musty cheese. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm about the Heart Work Center, which is where you conduct your workshops.
3: Well the Heart Work Center is a nonprofit foundation that of which our work is an adjunct and it's to support couples in coming into the fullest possible relationship that they can and Heartwork work is located on a six hundred acre um, piece of uh, a land trust, and there are Trails and streams and woods here for exploring and walking. And um, work is an umbrella for our work, but as well as other workshops. And you also have private retreats?
4: Yeah, we give private retreats. A lot of them in our home here in rural Vermont. We're giving one in California in April, and uh, we, we, we've given them internationally.
2: And this is for several couples at once, usually? Well, we, we have
3: both group workshops, um, which are listed on our website, awakeningtogether.com. But we also have found an increasing number of couples who really want to explore in depth their own coupleness, coupledom. And they come for uh, periods of ranging between two and four days. And we feed and house people, and they often come to a place that they never dreamed possible in their and relationships. And they
2: work with you individually.
3: Yes. Private, privately yes. too.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I would imagine that would really...
3: Oh, it catapults people.
2: I was going to say, jumpstarts and catapults. Yeah, yes. that's incredible. Yes. You also have a workbook called Learning to Love.
3: We do. Um, it's published by Sterling, and um, it's available in many bookstores as well as amazon.com and um we take great joy in having written this book and wanting to share it with others and giving a hopefully a message of inspiration and hope to other couples that um you can come through great difficulties and not only um, <clears throat> get through them but you can even learn how to flourish
2: what are your closing thoughts in a world where we have a 50 to 60% divorce rate? What, is your, what are your words of wisdom to our listeners?
4: Well, um, the same thing that causes disharmony among couples is what causes disharmony in, in cities and towns and among nations and causes war. The lack of love causes environmental disaster and poverty and economic exploitation and Everything we don't like about the world comes from a lack of love. And I think the great black belt task now is learning to bring love where love seems not to be there. And there's no better place to learn it than in a couple. And if you've got two people in a couple who both want to learn to love, I think the universe bends in your direction and gives you teachers' teachings, experiences, insights. And uh, I think the main thing is to be deeply discontent Uh, by one's own lack of love. Mm.
3: And I would say, as the watchword, simply stay tuned to your own heart. Be interested in listening deeply to what it has to say. And that will carry you. Beautiful.
2: Thank you both so much for coming on the program today.
3: Thank you, Patricia. (laughs) It's been
2: a pleasure. Stay on the line. It was wonderful. All right. My guest today... Were Don and Martha Rosenthal acclaimed workshop leaders and founders of the Hard Work Center. The book is Learning to Love, From Conflict to Lasting Harmony. Awakeningtogether.com is their website, and you can learn about their retreats and workshops and more about what they do to help couples stay together. And folks, remember, I say this each week. You can certainly go onto my website, raskinresources.com, a lot of material there about what I do I have more than one radio program and I would love to hear from you in terms of your suggestions and ideas and also um, just remember as I do say each week, stay healthy, stay happy, really get the support you need and know in your heart that you can make your dreams come true and that's what's most important and until next time I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living have a great Monday and a great week
1: Been listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com and tune in next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.